Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It's Thursday, July 27th. Field and Daniel hanging out, and we have some news to cover today on oh, the yeah. show, Daniel. But more importantly, this is the final show until we start talking and then don't stop talking until the Super Bowl because Effective Monday is in, what's that, four days from right now? Uh-huh. July 31st. We're going live every single day, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on the YouTube, on the Twitter machine, ESPN Fantasy app, ESPN app, uh, Daniel's LinkedIn page, you name it, we will be streaming on it starting Monday. I can't wait. Get a, get a great, long, deep breath this weekend because it's about to be a wild ride. I am really pumped, Field. Are we going to be live on the X? I don't even uh, know what it's called. Is it X. called the X? Yes. If it weren't the very beginning of the show, I'd have a deeper dive on the X. You're right. Because apparently, I said I called it Twitter. Apparently, it's just called X. I don't even know what to call it anymore. Yeah. By the way, it was such a great name. I know. Like, there was nothing wrong with Twitter. It seemed appropriate. It seemed like a thing that should stay there forever. Now it's called X, but that's neither here nor there. But again, Monday, we're back every single day. That's right. We're a day late this week. We had all kinds of stuff going on yesterday, but we are here. And we do have a lot to get into today, Daniel, because for the past few months, we've been sort of latching on to big themes and topics, breakouts and sleepers and guys you should avoid and guys you should definitely draft and everything in between. Got a bunch of news, though. Like, training camp is back, baby. Uh, there is so much news, I feel like. I'm ready to dive into it. Do you want any more time, or do you, are you ready to just dive into what we, we have do whatever you want. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Because I, although, did you see this? I was watching, speaking of podcasts, again, you can catch our podcast every single day starting on Monday, which is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I saw on the New Heights podcast, which is the Kelsey Brothers, where Travis Kelsey mm. went to a Taylor Swift show. Did you see any of this? No, I didn't see it. All right, so Travis Kelsey went to a Taylor Swift show, you know, apparently a Swifty. One of the things that you do there they is— They did have a Kansas City show, I believe, 4th of July weekend. They did, yes. yes. Okay. So he made a friendship bracelet because apparently that's what you do when you go to these Taylor Swift shows. You make friendship mm. bracelets. Got it. Okay. He made one very specifically for Taylor Swift and was hoping to be able to meet Taylor Swift in order to give her this friendship bracelet, uh, which just so happened to have his phone number on it, by oh. the way. No big deal. Shoot your shot. Here's the thing. I don't know if there'd be a better pairing. You're talking about tier one tight end Travis Kelsey yep. and tier one Trevor, uh, 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 Taylor Swift. I can't believe I just blinked on her name. Taylor Swift. Like, would there be a better pairing than those two? Hard to think that anybody has more heat right now in the world than Taylor Swift. Mm. Doesn't she? The only problem here's the only downside for Travis Kelsey. First of all, is he is he single? I don't know that. I, I, I don't no know. I, I, he's not married. I don't know if he's dating anybody right now. Um, it always ends badly for Taylor Swift boyfriends. It does. And you become the subject of a song. So if if, if Travis Kelsey one day aspires to be the subject of a tra- of Taylor Swift song, then maybe he should consider doing it. Right. Maybe. He- Otherwise, might want to avoid that one. He's got enough going on. Like, yeah. he seems to be doing just fine for himself. I, this is going to sound crazy. I can't stand the New Heights podcast. You know why? Tell me why. Because they're so freaking good. They're so funny. You guys are all pros. Literally the best center and the best tight end in the NFL. You're so good at your jobs and have been for like a decade each. And you're like, you know what we're going to do? Oh, a gonna... podcast. Just like on a whim. Like we're going to do a podcast. See how it goes. Yeah. Maybe a couple people listen to it. It's so weird. Because it's so good. 
I it's hilarious. You and I don't really step out onto the football field in order to try to show them up at their job that right, they do on right. a daily basis. Yeah. So I just am not sure why they're doing that to us. But you know, whatever. Kelsey brothers, reconsider whether or not you guys should uh, just should just just take just take the football. <laughs> I mean, you guys are doing so awesome on the podcast game. It is a bit annoying though. I'm not going to lie to you because they're so so good. And if you and I tried to become a center and a tight end, we'd be cut before we ever got signed because we have very little athletic ability unless we're talking about bowling, which Daniel is very good at. But ah. Let's get into the uh, football headlines, shall we? You want to? Let's do it. Let's start in New York. Tell me what's going on with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley and the Giants have officially come to an agreement field. Here's the thing. I've actually been in Florida on vacation for the last five days, so yeah. I'm like a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to be teeing you up and finding out what information I have missed over the last couple of days. So Saquon, I thought he was really frustrated, yeah. very angry, and was not going to. Like He talked about holding out. Now, all of a sudden, he's got a new one-year deal. What does this mean for me as a fantasy manager? All right, so Saquon Barkley was uh, on the franchise tag. Everybody yep. knows that. One year, $10.091 million okay. if he signed the franchise tag tender. Up until July 17th, the two sides could have uh, they could have found a, a, a middle ground on a long-term extension. They could have negotiated an extension was a term I am looking for. They were unable to come to terms on a long-term deal. But once that deadline has passed us, teams can still negotiate with their franchise tag players on a one-year deal. Okay. I mean, like te- technically Saquon could have agreed to a $1 million contract or a $100 million contract. As long as he says yes and the Giants say yes, they can do whatever they like. What they did was they kind of sweetened the pot a little bit. Saquon Barkley, again, $10.091 million was the maximum value of the franchise tender prior to this renegotiation. Now we can make $11 million. So an extra, what's that, $909,000 in incentives for Saquon Barkley, all contingent upon him basically being the same player he was last year with over 1,350 rushing yards, plus a bunch of rushing touchdowns and just good overall production. And the Giants have made the playoffs. So wow. let's let's talk about the fantasy for a second here. Then we can get back to the running back market because that seems to be the topic right wow. now in the NFL. Yep. For Saquon, this is objectively a great thing for his fantasy value because it's like it's safety and security, mm-hmm. right? For those that were early drafters that were worried about the possibility of Saquon Barkley maybe sitting out a game, maybe going full Le'Veon Bell and not playing at all this season, maybe coming back halfway through the season, that possibility is now out the door. He's at training camp. He's going to be there for the next month and a week. He'll be ready in week one. And as we saw last year, he is the engine of this offense. He's a top five running back. Whether you have him at RB3, RB4, RB5, he's right behind those Saquon Bar. Excuse me, right behind Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, in that next tier of just elite running back. So it's good safety and security for those that are already drafting right now or those that will be drafting. You can safely crank Saquon Barkley up somewhere around pick five in your drafts. He's ready to go for the season. Here's my question field. When the, if you're looking at the franchise tag, Mm. is the franchise tag fully guaranteed? It is. So So, if he had signed it, he would have been fully, he would have been titled to a fully guaranteed 10.091 million bucks. And with his new contract, it's $11 million, but he has maximum, but he has earned the incentive. So why do you go the earned incentive route rather than play on the franchise tag? So, I mean, he has more upside now. $900,000 worth of more upside. So he's still getting 10.091 million no matter what, but now he has nearly an extra $1 million in incentives to make up. And that what got me think, that's what got me thinking about the running back market a little bit. And we can sort of t- take this into the next two players who are on our note here, Daniel, because Saquon Barkley, 
I wouldn't say won this negotiation, but he got what some people are saying is a win, right? Like he could have made $10.091 million. Now he'll make up to $11 million. Yep. Think about that. Saquon Barkley was considering sitting out games like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Now we're at a point where he's back participating in training camp in its entirety, right? This wasn't negotiated on the night before the season. Yeah. This wasn't negotiated two weeks halfway through training camp. This was negotiated before camp even really got going. And all he could get was an extra $900,000. The plight of running backs is real right now. We can discuss whether there's merit in that or not, if teams should approach it that way or not. But Saquon Barkley got a win to the tune of less than a million dollars. Like It's crazy right now that that's all it took for him to get back for the start of training camp. That's it. I wonder what is that going to mean now? So Saquon sort of, it feels like would have at least set a certain barometer, right? For the rest of the running backs that are currently holding out guys like Josh Jacobs. When you look at Jonathan Taylor, you know, does this Saquon movement do anything to be able to help them? Or does this undermine their potential cause of wanting to be able to hold out from that perspective? All right, so as far as like, let's, let's talk about Josh Jacobs. We can go right to the news there next because Josh Jacobs has not shown up to Raiders training camp. Made it very clear he does not want to show up. Doesn't want to be there. As a yep. matter of fact, he got on a plane from Las Vegas the yeah. day the training camp began and flew to parts unknown. Hopefully somewhere, like, I don't know, on a beach or something where he can still train, uh, but also enjoy his time while he is away from his teammates. Uh, He also on the franchise tag, so he also can negotiate a one-year deal for more than the $10.091 million that he is currently entitled to if he signs that franchise tag, which he can do at any second. The problem is, if you sign that franchise tag tender and then start to skip days of training camp, you get fined $50,000 a day. So when you're already worried or when you're already mad that you're getting just $10.091 million, you do not want to start giving away $50,000 a day to not show up to work. It sounds like Josh Jacobs might not be coming back anytime soon, Daniel. So here is where things get interesting. We were talking about how like Saquon's deal for fantasy purposes, what it means is that you're still safely taking him some point in the first round. Yep. Probably closer to 10 than five. I said five earlier, but somewhere around player 10 overall with Josh Jacobs. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly the betting favorite would be that Josh Jacobs is back for week one of the regular season because it's not super common for any player, regardless of position, to hold out in the NFL. Right. It does happen. But when Le'Veon Bell did what he did, it was such an extreme measure that it rocked really the entire league and certainly the Pittsburgh Steelers for a full season. But now the possibility is introduced. Like, what if Josh Jacobs is like, hey, I'm not going to be there for week one to send a message. Let them know just how real this is. I might wait a month. Maybe all of a sudden things start to get really bad in Las Vegas out of the gates. And they're 0-4 and Zamir White, or whoever it is that takes over as the starting running back, is struggling. That might send a message to the Raiders that when they get back to the negotiating table this upcoming offseason, when they can tag Josh Jacobs once again, you better think long and hard about playing hardball with me once again. But let's talk about the strategy part of this, Daniel, because it does feel like until there is clarity with Josh Jacobs and we know when he's back, right? which as of right now could be any time, we have to have a plan. And Zamir White is that plan. We were talking about this guy last year as a potential name to know in fantasy. Yeah, and that was uh, like, I feel like started very early on because of the way that the Raiders used 
Josh Jacobs in that Hall of Fame game, which yeah. I definitely overreacted to. We all were like, what is going Very on guilty. with this, yeah. right? But, yep. but when you see a situation like that, right, it, it, it kind of feels like, all right, is Amir White the guy that we are going to be looking at if you're going to try to target a value Raiders running back later on in your draft? Hopefully you're not drafting now, first yep. off. You're, there's no reason for you to be drafting now. You should be waiting a little bit longer. Um, but I think that is part of my question, Field. If yeah. I had to ask you very specifically about Josh Jacobs, how much time can Josh Jacobs continue to be away from the team mm-hmm. before we get to NFL kickoff and have him still be a top 10 running back for you in your rankings? I think it would have to be until like the week of the regular season for me to get nervous. That's where I was at. Because we've seen guys like Zeke Elliott did this most notably most recently where he held out of all of training camp, ended up signing an extension that proved to be a terrible deal for the Cowboys. They just finally got out from underneath it this past off season. <laughs> But a great deal for Zeke. And you know what happened for Zeke once he got back? He was great. Yeah. He was great. He looked like what you saw during the first three seasons of his career. It wasn't the immediate years of that extension. It was the later years of that extension that made you worried for the Cowboys' purposes. That proved to be the case. So unless we get to like Thursday of week one over the regular season and Josh Jacobs is still not there, I don't think I'm going to move him too far down in my rankings just because if he does return and there is motivation for him to return because he would collect that $10.091 million in full. If he does play all 17 games, once he returns, we know what he is. He led the NFL in touches last season. He was the NFL's rushing leader last season. He was kind of like what Jonathan Taylor was two years ago. He was incredible in the passing game as well. He was a fantasy super duper star and you can make a case for him as the number one overall pick. If you knew that he was going to be available for the full season. So that's how good he is. I'm not quite ready to worry about him yet, but I have it on my radar. Yes. Because he's not there. He's not even there. Right. And that's something to be able to keep it just to monitor as you get through this draft season, because you're going to have to potentially, let's say you draft the last week of August, you might be at a spot where you're like, am I going to go with Josh Jacobs? Not officially having reported with a team yet. By the way, his his ADP is reflective of the worries that I think people have right now. Not that this is totally crazy, but he's currently being drafted 19th, uh, 19.0, so 17th overall, but that's behind uh, Jonathan Taylor, Nick, Nick Chubb, Chubb, Derrick Henry. So those three guys, I would say, are probably closely ranked in most people's eyes for Josh Jacobs, but you would have thought that after last year, yeah. he would be going higher than somebody like Nick Chubb as an example. I right? agree with that. Like You would just think that a player who we, we know what the best version of Nick Chubb is, obviously he could be the NFL's rushing leader, but going to have like in a great season... 30, maybe 35 catches. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, excuse me, uh, Josh Jacobs could have 55 catches again this year and have, you know, what, 16, 1700 rushing yards. And that wouldn't surprise you at all. So I do think we're seeing a bit of that dip right now for Jacobs that will probably only get more severe yeah. the longer he holds out from training camp. How are you feeling about Jonathan Taylor? Uh, it's This one has my attention. So Jonathan Taylor is now on the PUP list for the Colts and... A bit of a surprise because it didn't seem like that ankle injury that took place last year and had him out for big chunks of the season was one that was going to linger into this training camp. And frankly, Daniel, makes me wonder if this is not actually about that ankle, but rather about his contract. He is extension eligible now for the first time in his career. After three full seasons, you can be extended if you are a drafted player. He, of course, was a second round pick. 
And the Colts, uh, initially, at one point, their GM, Chris Ballard, talked about how it sounded like everybody was good to go except for two players that would end up on PUP. I'm forgetting who those two players were, but they weren't Jonathan Taylor. Now Jonathan Taylor is on PUP. And on top of that, his owner, Jim Ursay, the Colts owner, had this to say about the running back pay scale slash market right now. This was on Twitter last night. NFL running back situation. We have negotiated the CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise in good faith by both sides. To say now that a specific player category wants another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling bad faith. The agent for Jonathan Taylor quote tweeted that said bad faith is not paying your top offensive player. So pretty obvious what they are saying to us is that Jonathan Taylor and his PUP stint could be just as much about the contract as it is the ankle too soon to get super duper worried and say, Oh my gosh, is he going to be unavailable for the Colts at any point this season? But if there is seemingly bad blood, and I don't know how it could seem any more obvious than tweets from both parties last <laughs> night, it's apparent there is. So, again, I'm not – Jonathan Taylor, his ADP has not been touched at all. He is currently going – let's see. I've got it at uh, 14th overall, 13.7, and that's, what, fifth or sixth amongst running backs, which sounds about right based off how we've been ranking him all off season. But just touch on this one. Like, just keep this one – in the back of your mind right now, because until Jonathan Taylor is off that PUP list or has an extension or maybe both at the same time, yeah, it has our time. It, it just is something that I think is worth keeping an eye on um, because it seems like there is real tension between these two sides right now. What's the point of that Jim Mercer tweet? That's what I don't understand. Daniel is like, that um, what well, Jim Mercer said, what good did it do? Uh, not much, but it has some, it has some, some realities. So, uh, let me go to back to the tweet that uh, we just referenced from Jim Ursay and see if we like if you go back and look, let me just pull it up so I don't miss up the uh, the mess up these, here he goes NFL running back situation we have negotiated the CBA that took years of effort and hard work and compromise and good faith by both sides that right there is a very fundamental truth that should not be overlooked is that the truth is that the injustices that NFL players are shouting right now about how running backs are treated. And it's not just running backs who are saying it is players around the league could have been addressed in the CBA and they agreed to this CBA. What I always remind people is that there are going to be things after every CBA that players are unhappy with and probably things that owners are unhappy with. But there's only so many things you can fight tooth and nail over when you're trying to do your best to avoid a labor dispute. There's so much to lose with a strike and very little to gain with it that, yes, the running back's uh, pay scale was, was, was collectively bargained, but it's not like that was priority A, B, C, D, E, F, maybe even G during the actual CBA negotiations. They were on things that were much bigger, whether it was 17 games being played, right. uh, various things in terms of you know how to split the revenue, things that are on a much larger scale applicable to a bunch of players. I think this running back situation is really interesting. I know you and Liz touched upon it last week, but I wanted to just maybe take a moment here to discuss how I see some from sort of both sides. And you have to do your best when you're thinking about this on the player side to think of like the emotional interpersonal part of it. And on the team side, from the business and the economic side of it, 
If you're a player who's a teammate of Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley's or Jonathan Taylor's, you're probably saying at his best, he's our best offensive player. I mean, certainly that's the case, uh, at least with Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor, because Devontae Adams plays uh, for the Raiders, it's him or it's Josh Jacobs, but they are amongst the very best players on the entire roster. Easily. It's a teammate. You want to see that guy do well. By the way, the NFL is printing money hand over fist. And these guys, as running backs, have one of the hardest jobs on the field. They take a massive physical toll. It's why there is so much attrition. It's why there are so many injuries. It's why there are so many teams that employ a multiple back set. You get why players sympathize with and for running backs. We all want to see players make as much as they possibly can. On the team side, it's pretty evident that when you only have so much money to work with every year, there is a salary cap and you have to pay 53 active roster players plus guys on IR plus the practice squad plus a couple of other things here dead money etc like you have to make really difficult decisions and find out all right where can we find work where can we find room around the margins and if you're a GM who just watched the Chiefs win the Super Bowl with Isaiah Pacheco as their starting running back or Damian Williams as their starting running back a couple of years ago or Leonard Fournette with the Bucs when he was on a value contract back in Tampa Bay. You name it. Right now, the league has proven that you can find running backs at a very, very, very cheap number. Last nine Super Bowl winning running backs. And I know that we've, this is a great tweet Twitter, goes there. Right? Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco last year, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Damian Williams, Sony Michelle, LeGarrette Blunt, LeGarrette Blunt, CJ Anderson. Crazy, right? Another LeGarrette Blunt. Like those guys are not guys that are top 10 running backs in the NFL, especially. And I know we're talking about from a fantasy perspective, just talking about NFL. Like those guys are not top 10, top 15 guys right now across the board. They just aren't. So when you look at that field, like as just a, a, a normal person. Yeah. What is it that you're supposed to do? Like, you know, I want to be able to support running backs as just a normal guy because it's like, yeah, you need to go out there and get paid. You are putting your body on the line. Yeah, totally. But so, then you talked about the business side of it too. And I know it's not just like one side of things. It's so. not one side of things. And I think the part that about that tweet though, that like I just haven't been able to, been able to wrap my head around is that, again, some of the things that Jim Mersey said are factual. I mean, this was a collectively bargained CBA. Yep. And I'm here to tell you that if we all of a sudden shook up the system for running backs, it would lead to applause, and then it would lead to a different constituency. Maybe it's tight ends. Maybe it's guards. Maybe it's safeties who say, well, what about us? Why aren't we getting the same rights that running backs are now getting? Right. What if Patrick Mahomes and quarterbacks say, we're the most important players on the field? If Caleb Williams comes into the NFL next year, and turns a team from the worst team in the league to a playoff team, why doesn't he deserve to have the chance to earn $55 million a year one season into his career? I would be stunned. As a matter of fact, I'll call it a 0% chance that anything involving running back pay scale reform takes place anytime soon. That being said, you and I can say that. You know why? We don't have a star running back on our real life team. Right. We are simply fantasy managers. That's all we are. Jim Mercer is the owner of the Colts. All he is doing by tweeting that last night is basically taking a loudspeaker and looking at Jonathan Taylor and his agent and giving him a proverbial middle finger of yep. some sorts 
Meanwhile, fans of the Colts are probably enraged right now. They don't care about Jim Irsay's money. They don't care about the salary cap. They want Jonathan Taylor to be healthy and be an absolute beast for the next 10 seasons for Indianapolis. Why on earth are you doing this? If you thought, as Jim Irsay, that tweeting this would all of a sudden solve the running back injustices. He fixed it. Woohoo, I did it. Snap my finger. One one zeet and all of a sudden we're good. (laughs) Then that's fine. Yeah. You're, you're completely senseless for thinking that, but that's fine. But it did so little good yeah. and so much bad last night that I'm just flabbergasted that he would have gone down that path. I find it interesting too, and then we can move on from this. I find it interesting too that you, if you, I mean, if you want to talk about a strike, and maybe I don't, I've never been through a strike before, but if I just put on my logic hat for two seconds, yeah. like owners are the ones that make out so much better if players strike for one sole reason for me these guys are owning these teams for decades upon decades upon decades players have if maybe a decade's worth of playing time in their body so when you want to talk about sitting out or striking i'm going to take one of my maybe maybe 10 years away to be able to strike in order to get more i just feel like like you know owners are able to withstand that so much easier because they're billionaires that are going to be able to have this team for the next 25 years anyways no two ways about it it's why nfl strikes are going to be so uncommon they have happened in the past 1987 the scab season it was ugly it was brutal it did no good for everybody um but we're not going to see that again for hopefully a long time but i think the reality is that every cba is going to be left with some issues that are going to be griped about until the following CBA is negotiated, yeah. as it turns out, sort of the flavor of the, I guess, months or the offseason is the running back pay scale. It's not going to be fixed anytime soon, even if we think these guys deserve more money. The truth is, like, there's not a whole lot that we can do about it. Is there anything that we can do now that we've seen that Javante Williams did not start the season on the PUP list field? Yeah, and I want to make sure we hit Dalvin Cook after this, Daniel, but... um This one is interesting to me. Yeah. So Javante Williams probably is one of the most difficult players to place this offseason in rankings. Totally agree with you. Because I think we all love the talent. Mm -hmm. Still, what, 23 years old. He was a young prospect when he came into the NFL. The Saints should be a much more reputable offense this year, right? Way, way better. Sean Payton's going to run a professional outfit. That much is for sure. Heard that. That being said... A team can put a player on the PUP list for as long as they want to begin training camp as sort of like a bumper, like a safety measure, right? So in the case of Javante Williams, it is a sign that the Broncos fully expect him to be ready for week one. Like they don't have any, I mean, maybe not 100%, but they expect him to be on the roster for week one. Um, we've seen teams like the bears had chase Claypool on PUP for one day, like literally, I think it might've been 18 hours. Right. So like I was surprised that he did not end up on PUP. I went back and look at some of the players coming off of major knee injuries last year to see who ended up on PUP versus those that did not. And some of the guys that did not included Robert Woods and Chris Godwin. Now, Robert Woods was not great last year for Tennessee, but it didn't seem like that was a health thing. It felt like certainly some of it was like ramping back up from the ACL, but part of it was just like the offense was terrible and like he's whatever, 32, 33 and like getting older. But Chris Goblin, as we know, 
He was ready for week one. He ended up getting hurt in week one, but Chris Godwin, while the efficiency was way down, he still had over 100 catches last year. He ended up being like a very useful wide receiver week after week after week. This one has my attention, Daniel. I've got him as RB29. It was hard for me to move him up or down based off this information, but I want people to know that like, if you have him in place on the PUP list, well, I don't think he was going to remain on the PUP list through week six of the regular season. Yep. I also thought this was a notable sign of how his progress is coming along. The Broncos have been a bit inconsistent this offseason. It feels like one week, very confident he'll be ready for week one. Another week, they won't they won't be willing to place a timeline on him. This one has my attention, though. We're not losing sight of Samaj P. Ryan Daniel, but no. Javante Williams, all of a sudden not on the PUP list, bodes very well for him being ready to begin the season. In his rookie season... Javante Williams was running back 23, averaging 12.1 fantasy points per game. But he had five games his rookie year field. Yep. Five games where he had more than 15 touches. In those five games, he averaged 18.9 fantasy points per game. That was running back four last year. That was Derrick Henry. Mm. Right now, Javante Williams, mind you, shouldn't be drafting teams right now. Right now in our ADP, Javante Williams is running back 31. Mm. Is it a crazy sentence to say, if you happen to be drafting right now, Javante Williams might be the value of the draft if he comes back and is the guy. Now, mind you, might start off a couple weeks slow, but running back 31. Yeah. Is there a running back that you think could potentially have more value or is like Alvin Kamara or another one of these guys that's falling down the list? Or do you think that Javante Williams is someone that because it's an injury risk, you still got to wait and see a little bit more through the offseason in order to know, hey, training camp and, and preseason, I, I want to see him return to play before I start feeling that confidence again. Here are guys that are being drafted around Javante Williams right now. Monks yep. running backs, David Montgomery, James Cook, Dalvin Cook right ahead of him, A.J. Dillon, his teammate Samaj P. Ryan, Jamal Williams, Brian Robinson just behind them. If all of those guys had a full season – I think Javante Williams would have the highest upside for sure. It reminds me though, that during the off season, we're talking about players and always kind of assuming season long value. Yeah, we do. This one just feels though to me, Daniel, even though the vibes are better now that he's not on the PUP list, it still strikes me that I don't think Javante Williams is going to, for 17 weeks, deliver whatever the value is. I don't think it's going to be consistent week over week over week, right? Like I think there's a chance that Javante Williams starts the season with a very judicious workload for the Broncos. And we see a lot of Samaj P Ryan out of the gates and Denver wouldn't stun me by the way, if they added another running back, because we know Sean Payton's unafraid to collect running backs and use them in a bunch of different ways, right? He did that a ton, especially during the last half decade of his time in new Orleans. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was like, slow, slow, slow build. And then it kind of steadied and kind of got to a place where you're comfortable starting him every single week. And then you're like, you know, like not top 10 or top 12 running back, but like top 20 ish running back for Javante Williams. I think we almost need to think about players during the off season. And like, is this a 17 week player or is this a, we'll figure it out week by week player, right? Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, those guys, you know what they are week over week over week, right? If they're not, you know, a top, three player at their position every single week, you are worried about what happened to them because your preseason expectations were so significant. Javante Williams, one of those guys that like, yeah, I could certainly see him having some top 15 weeks. I still think though, this is going to end up being a pretty significant running back share in Denver. But when you have a running back share and you have to kind of cast your die on one player, right? 
go for the guy who's got the most talent. Yep. And clearly the most talented back. And the fact that he's not on PUP suggests there's at least a chance he plays all 17 games, even if that value week over week is not the same for those 17 games. I think that's totally Fairfield. And you mentioned these Broncos still might be like in the cards to bring in another running back to be able to help out that running back room. There's a guy that we just talked about, Dalvin Cook. Right now, about right now, yeah, yeah he, he is. He was mentioned for the Broncos. And now he's on his way to go visit the Jets. Is that correct? He is. And this was very notable to me, Daniel. And Dalvin Cook's going to visit the Jets at some point this weekend. We're talking on Thursday. It sounds like, I guess he's actually going to be on Good Morning Football Friday on NFL Network yep. and then just stick around in, this, in, in the Big just Apple and out. just hang out and go visit <laughs> the Jets. Uh, the Jets, of course, just uh, got some financial clarity with Aaron Rodgers' restructured contract. Oh, yeah. So all of a sudden, they're prepared to uh, continue to utilize the assets that they have remaining to fill in some roster gaps. And uh, right after the Jets practiced on Thursday, Robert Sala, their head coach, both confirmed the visit for Dalvin Cook and also made clear this has nothing to do with Brees Hall. We love the guy. This is just because we love Dal. Or, you know, we think of Dalvin highly as a player. Brees Hall hit 23 miles per hour this last week. Did I not hear that? On the GPS, yeah. yes. I'm not sure I could do that on a bike, just yeah. to be clear. Um, but... Even him saying that is nice, and I get it. It's yeah. just, you have to do it. You're speaking to your locker room when you say that. You're speaking to Brees Hall when you're saying that. We don't like it, though, for fantasy football purposes. Brees Hall, because of the fact that he's coming off of an ACL tear, has a big range of outcomes for 2023. He just does. Every player coming off of a major knee injury is going to have a wide range of outcomes. Some very, very good because he is a legitimately star running back or is a legitimate star running back. Um, but some of those are not so good, right? He could be J.K. Dobbins of last year, or you name Saquon Barkley coming back from his ACL, a ACL year, or Dalvin Cook coming back from his ACL year, where it's like, you know, 8, 12, 14 carries per game, but never that 20 carry per week type of guy. But one thing we can say, Daniel, is that if Dalvin Cook gets signed, it either eliminates or dramatically, dramatically reduces the possibility that Brees Hall is a top 10 running back or anything close to it this season. Yep. Uh, regardless of what you think about Dalvin Cook as a player, I think he's obviously a very, very solid running back. Um, if you don't like Dalvin Cook, I'm just telling you that a team is not going to sign him to let him sit on the sidelines and just observe. Definitely right? not. So if Brees Hall soon shares that backfield with Dalvin Cook, it just depresses his value no matter what's going on with that knee. Even if he's ready to play in week one, if he's got Dalvin Cook, he's sharing that load. Right now, the competition is like Bam Knight. Israel Abondaconda, their fifth round pick out of pit, like Michael Carter, Michael Carter, who at this point kind of feels like he, yeah, still, he feels like know. he's kind of the, for, he's kind of the, you know, it's we're on to the next chapter. It feels yeah. like in the backfield, but like if the most significant investment that you've made up to this point, July 27th is a fifth round rookie. And then all of a sudden you sign a guy who's been a four time pro bowler. To me, I think actions speak louder than words. And that to me would suggest that, the Jets plan on using a backfield by committee, which maybe they won't do that if they don't have Dalvin Cook. I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to go visit the Jets just to hang out in New York City for the weekend. It's a wonderful city, a great place to visit. I prefer sure. it more in the spring and fall than I do the summer because it's so hot. I agree with that. Um, but <laughs> I think there's a chance this gets done. And if it does, bad news for Brees Hall's fantasy stock. It just Yikes. is. Not, not in the long term, but in the short term, it just is. I mean, that would really shore up that Jets just offense not fantasy perspective but given Aaron Rodgers another guy I mean if he they're all in they're all in so like even if you can can debate the merits of paying a running back you can debate the merits of whether Dalvin Cook is a great player or not whether he's you know a guy who whatever maybe he's the 15th best running back in the NFL whatever you think he is 
The Jets right now are doing everything they can to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And if they think that Dalvin Cook can help them a little bit, they're going to do their best to sign Dalvin Cook and not worry about our fantasy teams. It should be noted. Dalvin Cook also has been talking to the Patriots, according to Jeremy Fowler. And that I guess it sounds like they're trying to set up a visit. Maybe he goes to New York and the visit goes great and he signs with the Jets and that Patriots visit is rendered moot. But if Dalvin Cook were to go visit the Patriots, we'd be having the same conversation with Ramondre Stevenson. Which one do you, if you had to have Dalvin Cook limit the fantasy value of one of Brees these Hall. two running, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, the, just because the injury like, aspect. We, not, like there is a, again, there's a chance that Brees Hall is like just a little limited this year. Anyway, maybe yeah. a lot limited, Agreed. right? Yeah. There's a chance that Brees Hall, even if they don't do a dang thing with Dalvin Cook, is, you know, gets like 160 carries this year because he's nine months post ACL tear. Whereas in New England, Brees, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson's path is so dang clear right now. I mean, it is like a, a, a five lane highway that is only occupied by Ramondre Stevenson at the moment. Um, but let's keep an eye on that one too, because uh, the Patriots offense certainly could use a little bit more juice to it, and Dalvin Cook would bring that. Heck yeah. A lot of news, huh? A lot of news. A lot of running back news field. When we come back, we're going to do a couple of live reads here. We've gotten some non-running back news next. But I'm going to hand it over to you to tell our friends about Geico. Geico, of course, the presenting sponsor of Fantasy Focus Football. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you could save. But Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Well, of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage, plus add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Two boxing giants will face off this Saturday, but only one will walk away with the welterweight title. Spencer Jr. versus Crawford and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered on the action. Right now, new customers can score $150 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code FFF. That's code FFF only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in partnership with Hollywood Casinos at Charlestown Races. All games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash boxing terms. Nice speed read right there. Thanks, we baby. all know about the speed of sound. Speaking of speed. Hey, now. But have you, have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Mm. If you drive over the speed limit, there are lots of different sounds that you might hear. Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing. The sound of ambulances and first responders desperately trying to free you from the wreckage. You could hear the beeps of a heart monitor. You could hear doctors and nurses in an emergency room as you're being treated for your injuries. You could hear the sound of worried family members in the hospital waiting room, hoping to hear that you're okay. You could even hear the sound of people crying at a funeral. Because if you drive over the speed limit, whether by a lot or by a little, you can do damage that's beyond repair. You could seriously injure yourself, or worse, you could hurt and even kill someone else. When you speed, you put everyone on the road in danger. One way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. 
All right, Field, coming back, we're going to talk about Brock Purdy. I mean, listen, we've been waiting to figure out what's going on with this quarterback situation in San Francisco for a little bit. Is it Sam Darnold that's going to start the season? What do they do now that they've got Trey Lance? Like, they've still invested a ton into him. But Brock Purdy looked like the guy at the end of last year. Obviously had the elbow injury, but it looks like he's been cleared to go. Does that mean that he is going to be the QB one once the season starts field? Yeah. One of the great mysteries of the off season that we spent a ton of time talking about definitely on NFL live was like, who's going to start for the 49ers was resolved like 10 minutes into training camp. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are like, yeah, Brock's good to go. He's going to be our guy. He's our guy. Right. And despite the fact that Trey Lance was taken third overall two years ago and a deal that cost them two extra first round picks to move up from six to three, um, excuse me, 12 to three. And despite the fact that Sam Darnold was signed to a one-year deal this offseason, it's going to be Brock Purdy, Daniel. And all right, let's just start with this. Like I've said many times this offseason that like it didn't matter who's starting for the 49ers at quarterback. They're going to be really good. Yeah. And in fantasy, it doesn't really matter who's starting at quarterback either. I kind of rank the guys how I'm going to be ranking them no matter what. This is great. I want to ask you this question then, okay? Because I think the like the the every person inside of me is like, yeah. wait a minute. Wait, just wait a minute. Hold on. Brock Purdy is not ranked by any of you. Yeah. But he's going to be able to support RB1 in CMC, a top five tight end in George Kittle, a top 20 wide receiver in Debo Samuel. And we think that Brandon Ayuk might take another step. So how is a guy that is not ranked in fantasy going to be able to support the fantasy value of all these other guys? Is it just dink and dunk high value completions, but lower value touchdowns in a PPR setting? Is that what that is? Yeah, probably. I mean, here's a couple things is that we have seen examples in the past. I always point to Jay Cutler, during the days in which Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey both like were top 10 or 12 wide receivers. Matt Forte there those years? He might have been, yeah. And it was like they had all these, maybe Greg Olson too, like they had all these really good players. That might have been, Olson might have been a few years ahead. I'll do but some looking. the bottom line is that like we've seen quarterbacks have elite offensive players around them and the quarterback still not end up being like this elite fantasy player. So yeah. it is possible. Brock Purdy's going to have some random weeks this week, this year. He's going to he's going to have it. It's going to happen. It's inevitable because they have the best group of pass catchers in the NFL after the catch. He's also, but he's, he, what's going to happen, Daniel, is Brock, write this down, mark this down, somebody. Brock Purdy is going to have a week this year where he completes fourteen passes, and you'd be like, fourteen passes. That's all it takes. It will be all it takes for him to have like two hundred and fifty-seven yards two touchdowns, no picks in like 17 rushing yards. And it's going to equate to whatever that is right there. Like 19 fantasy points. It's going to be like 14 catches, but they're going to go collective like 60 air yards. Right. Right. Because they just have this offense that's set up for those skill players to do the hard work. Right. So matter of fact, this comes from our guy, Evan Kaplan over at SIG. If you look at the final five weeks of the 2022 regular season, okay. Brock Purdy not only had the third best total QBR in the NFL, but his playmakers were seconds in terms of most yards after the catch per completion from weeks 14 through 18. So they were doing the damage with their legs, not him setting them up. The job of the 49ers is to just get the ball to the right person in a hurry. They got those guys in Debo and CMC. I mean, like that's what they do. Well, what they do It's they just let Debo Samuel and George Kittle and CMC and Brandon. I do the hard work. At the end of the season, assuming they stay healthy, <clears throat> Debo Samuel will be a top 20, probably I think maybe more like a top 15 or maybe even 12 wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk will be a top 25 or so receiver. Christian McCaffrey will be a top five running back 
probably top two. Yep. And George Kittle will probably be a top five top tight end, end as well, right? Yep. But what's going to happen, Daniel, is that they're going to be passing the cup around each week. CMC, lock them in every single week. Debo Samuel feel the same way. You'll be starting George Kittle, but you're going to live with the ups and downs of George Kittle. We've seen this before. That's, yep. And so the fact that it's Brock Purdy to me matters only in the sense that if it had been Trey Lance, and it really feels like the Trey Lance ship has sailed, like I'll be curious if he gets traded or when he gets traded or what becomes of Trey Lance. Mm. Like if it had been him, because of the athletic ability, the upside was greater for him in terms of quarterback rankings. But whether it was Darnold or Brock Purdy, or even Trey Lance, it didn't matter to me as far as the playmakers go. It's newsworthy, but I think Brock Purdy will end up being like in a week-in, week-out basis, ranked as like quarterback 18 or 19 in a good week in terms of an opponent, or like 23-24. Minimal rushing upside. Mm-hmm. Never going to throw a ton of passes. Not gonna not a, not a ton touchdown upside either. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have a bunch of four touchdown games. No. Nah. But I think he's just going to be kind of solid. Kind of where I feel like different stages of their career, like where you've seen like towards the end of his career, like Matt Ryan sort of settle in there, right? Like I would say like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who I guess would make sense because he was the quarterback of this team previously, like kind of settled in there. There's that kind of quarterback that if like things go right, that's the kind of upside they can present week in and week out. Yeah. I think that's the that is the rub for me right there in looking at that. But it's a really fun conversation because I think a lot of people are going to say there's no way that he can have a top five running back and a top five tight end and a top twenty running back yeah. or a wide receiver and still you know but be someone that you don't start. Right, but like go the inverse. Last year, Patrick Mahomes obviously had an elite tight end. Yeah, this is right. Great. But it's like he had Juju, who was his best receiver, who's good. Obviously, Juju's a good player. But Juju wasn't like a top 15 wide receiver, right? And yet Patrick Mahomes was the number one quarterback in total points in fantasy last year with other than Travis Kelsey, like no elite, elite receiving options, right? So it's not always directly correlated. Like lots of great fantasy players around you means the quarterback is great or the opposite. Yeah. In that analogy field, I mean, you're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster, who the Chiefs let walk. Yeah. I think there's an expectation, at least on their part, they're hoping that Kadarius Toney can maybe take another step and be a weapon for Patrick Mahomes that they didn't really have last year. How do you feel about Kadarius Toney? Because I have some thoughts. I don't feel super... I don't feel super thrilled about it already yeah. being hurt heading into training camp. And that's been the rub on him. How are you looking at Kadarius Tony? All right. So for those that missed the news, Daniel just referenced, right? So he's got a chance to play in the first week of the season after this most recent surgery, but it's July still. Yep. But there's this rhetoric that's been percolating around Kadarius Tony really since he came onto the scene at Florida that like this guy's one of the most talented players we've seen in a long time at wide receiver. He's an insane route runner with like this, joystick type agility to him, right? Like the guy is absolutely electric. Unreal. That being said, he's always injured, always injured. And it doesn't feel like this is like the, you know, not the kind of injury that we were talking about with Jonathan Taylor, where it might be an injury um, or maybe it's like, like, like a contract situation masked as an injury. Like this is like soft tissue injury here, like minor Jeffrey. knee procedure there. Yes. Yeah. So, there are some people that have wanted to grab Kadarius Tony and say, it's his year. He's the breakout chiefs wide receiver. He's the one that you want to roster. If any of them have top 25 upside, it's Kadarius Tony. That's still possible because there's a chance he plays in the first week of the season. And obviously his talent is absolutely absurd. And there yep. were times last year where it seemed like the chiefs really wanted to get him the ball. And when they did, he did good things with him. Yep. 
It feels like, though, Kadarius Tony continues to sound better in concept than he does in execution. Yeah. Right. And he, that's he, fair. He helped the Chiefs win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Massive punt yes, return, did. touchdown in the game. Like, I'm not saying he can't contribute or hasn't contributed. I just think the idea of him sometimes sounds better than what you're actually getting. And with this knee surgery, Daniel, it only decreases the possibility that that sort of top percentile outcome of, of, of uh, Kadarius Tony, like a top 25 wide receiver, comes to fruition. And I think it forces us to go back to the practice field and think about who's still there and who is going to get those valuable reps for the next five weeks. And it brings me back to Sky Moore. And he was a guy that two years ago in the pre-draft process was definitely a draft Twitter favorite. And he was somebody that we kind of wanted to make a thing even last year. He too scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He didn't score at all besides that last year. But the Chiefs are in this spot as a franchise. Yeah. It's a great spot to be in. You're so damn good that you're going to compete for the Super Bowl every year. You're going to have to pay players a lot of money because you got a lot of good ones. And you're going to have to make difficult decisions, which means that young players are going to be asked to step up and play premium roles. That's where they're at with wide receiver right now. Because even if Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a megastar, he was the best wide receiver they had last year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has like a very specific role for them, which is right. like a lot of influencing things down the field. Not a lot of volume, but certainly some impact when he does have his random you know, two-touchdown game during the season. But... Somebody has to step up for the Chiefs. And Sky Moore has a clearer path to doing that right now. But what I keep settling on, Daniel, is that as much as I want to get excited about a single Chiefs receiver, and I'm now more excited about Sky Moore, no doubt about that, because he just he's gonna get reps that Kadarius Tony is not, is that are we totally sure that a Chiefs wide receiver like needs to establish himself as a top thirty play this year? No. Like I'm fully bracing for the week where it's like Patrick Mahomes, you see his box score, and it's like, okay, 412 passing yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions, good for whatever, you know, 30 fantasy points. And you're like, oh, okay, Travis Kelsey had eight for 119 and two touchdowns. What else is new? He's still amazing. And then it's like the next highest receiver is Justin Watson with like five catches for 94 yards and a touchdown, right? And then it's like, oh, Noah Gray had three catches for two for 28 yards and a touchdown. And then it's like, oh, and by the way, um, you know, Clyde edwards Lair caught four passes because they wanted to bring him back from the ashes, right? Like that to me is very possible for this Chiefs offense is that they just kind of beat you with Mahomes, Kelsey, and a lead offensive line and a bunch of players that, might not play a lot for anybody else, but can be super productive for the Chiefs. I think that's a really great point field and something that we should really probably hammer on more because a lot of times it's that conversation between Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. And and just like you, right now, I would take Sky Moore in that conversation. But I think the answer is maybe we need to stop trying to make Chiefs wide receivers a thing. Last year, Juju Smith-Schuster was the highest uh, at by the end of the season, the highest ranked Chiefs wide receiver finished as wide receiver 37. Yep. Right. So when you talk about like, do, do any of these guys have to be top 30? I don't know. Absolutely not. Here's I want to say these two things about Kadarius Tony. I said mm. this last week, but I think these are really good stats since entering the league. Yep. Kadarius Tony has been targeted on 29 and a half percent of his routes run. Yep. That's elite. 29.5%, seventh highest among the uh, amongst NFL players to run over 250 routes. The problem is, like we talked about, Field, he cannot stay healthy. <laughs> He's only played 19 games. 
He's missed 14 games in his first two seasons. And because of that, in spite of how good he is when he's running routes, he has only run run 261 of them. That's 247th most in the NFL over that span. So when I look at this, (laughs) I really feel like when you talk about Kadarius Toney being top 25, yeah, absolutely. Kadarius Toney is a top 25 wide receiver on a per game basis. When you talk about at the end of the year, when you talk about like what's he going to look like and stack up, he's not going to play 16 games like these other guys. It inherently feels like he has this injury, uh, this injury situation baked into who he is, and he feels like the wide receiver version. He feels like the wide receiver version of DeAndre Swift. Okay, interesting. That was what I was, I was going to say because I just saw him pop up on my Twitter timeline. Johnny Smith, right? Like this this sweet athlete at tight end who always leads tight ends and like yards after the catch per catch. And you're like, and when he's, healthy, when you get him the ball, just good things happen. And then it's yep. like, Oh, he had 26 catches last year. Right. Yep. Um, so I, I think the Kadarius Tony certainly has way more upside than John U. Smith does. I'm just saying like, there are some players that sort of seem better when you examine the raw traits than they are when you see the actual production. I think that's why I like without trying to, you know, to my own horn. I think I like this DeAndre Swift comp for me because last year Swift had 147 touches. Yep. He was running back 13 on yep. a per game basis. But when you only have 147 touches, you're not a guy that's being counted on on a weekly basis for your team the way that the Chiefs will probably want to count on a guy like Kadarius Tony. So it's yep. just being able to find ways to stay healthy. I actually moved Sky Moore ahead of Kadarius Tony in my rankings. Nothing wrong with that. Again, I think there's certainly a chance that a Chiefs wide receiver kind of establishes himself. And right now, the best bet is Sky Moore. But I'm also acknowledging the possibility that maybe none of them really does. And it means absolutely nothing for the value of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, last thing I'll say here on this uh, Kadarius Tony thing uh, and the Chiefs um, is just that. Um, Crap, I lost my train of thought, so I'm not going to say anything. Well, you know what? That's all right, Field. No yeah. big deal there. I thought I, I had it written down. I didn't. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm two kids now, Daniel. Hey, That's I'll crazy. tell you what. How has that been going, by the way? Having two daughters in your life? Oh, my God. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm tired as all get out at all times. Sleep was awesome while it lasted. I've retired yeah. from that. So uh, thank you, by the way, for you and Liz and everybody for stepping up in a major way while I was gone, getting some time with our beloved baby Palmer. But oh, um, yeah. if anybody has an extra parent lying around, please let me know because be I will great. take that extra parent uh, and they can, they could probably parent from like, I don't know, like 10 to six. Would that work? 10 PM to 6 AM. That would be wonderful. Anybody is available. I'm with you on that. Also, if you're watching on the live stream, please every day, join us on YouTube. Check out this trophy smack belt we have right here. It's the oh, fantasy yeah. focus bell from our friends over at trophy smack. Super dope. It's heavy too. I tried to wear it yesterday. That thing is awesome. Looks better over the shoulder than it does around the waist. Yeah, I'm yep. going to do this here. It yeah. looks pretty good. It does look pretty good on you. I wear one of these. The Fantasy Focus Show League winner will get that this year. Yeah. Because it is the 2023 champion. Feels uh, you also got a, a pretty dapper looking uh, photo behind you as well. I saw that, Daniel. That. So do you, by the way. Well, you know, what are you going to do about it? What band are we referring to when it's the crappy band you never heard of in your uh, photo? You know what? Uh, I'm going to do City in Color today because I'm City actually wearing color. a City in Color shirt. Oh, okay. So, we'll there that. you go. That's a band. Um, well, they're they're recognizable enough to be in a t-shirt, so that must mean something, That's right? That's true. Accurate. Probably from their own tour. Canadian band. It's oh. a guy named Dallas Green from another band called Alexis on Fire. There you go. So okay. Dallas Green, City in Color. Get it? Dallas yes. Green. Got it. You are, haha. Like I do get See? it. By the way, you are staying on brand because um, not that I'm a musical buff, but I have not heard of either of those bands. Oh. Oh, wow. But you did hear about Taylor Swift. 
that, you, you well, that now one I did. Through, yes, okay, uh, that right. one I did hear about. That's yes. Right. Um, all right, should we do the last couple topics here? Two yeah, Saints topics. Yeah, wrap let's things get up two here. Saints topics let's do it. here. Yeah. I'm really excited about this one. Actually, I think this is a very interesting conversation. <laughs> it's Michael, a, it's Thomas, an interesting choice of words. Yeah, he is a hundred percent available and participating in practice right now. We haven't seen Michael Thomas in a while, yeah. right? We watched Chris Olave be really good last year, maybe yeah. underrated good in comparison to what Garrett Wilson did. I think that a lot of people maybe don't realize how close they could be. Yeah. And by the way, Rashid Shahid came out of nowhere as an undrafted free agent and looked really nice. All he did was score like 50 yard touchdowns. Um, so how does crazy. Michael Thomas factor into this Chiefs offense or Chiefs? This uh, Saints he offense might be a chief by the end of the season. Led by Derek Carr. All right. So he, uh, by the way, for those that missed the headline, 100% good to go as the team takes the practice field. I know what everybody is saying right now. Tell me. Okay, Field, who gives a crap? This is the same thing as every other year, right? It's not how he looks on July 27th. It's how he looks once September 27th is here. Is he even going to be playing on September 27th? Will he even be on the Saints roster on September 27th? Um, I get it. If you don't want to go down the Michael Thomas path, I have no issue with that. I'm not making a bunch of major investments in Michael Thomas. I play in a lot of leagues, obviously. We both do. I will have some Michael Thomas in my life. Not much. Not a priority. But I just want to mention this. For the first time since that 2019 season, which is when he had 149 catches, set all the records. He's played just 10 games, by the way, since then. Yikes. For the first time, Michael Thomas is in a contract year and has a lot to earn. He has like $10 million tied to incentives this year. I'm not saying that Michael Thomas got the money and then just all of a sudden got got comfortable in, in New Orleans. I'm just saying that we see this all the time in sports. You got a lot to play for. You're going to ball out, especially when you're his age. And there's a chance that next year is his best bite at the free agency apple. I can't believe he's 30 already. Crazy, right? He was yeah. an older rookie when he came in because he played multiple seasons at Ohio State. Yeah, and, I did not realize um, that. Yeah, <clears throat> so he's been around longer than you might realize. But if ever there was a time in which I feel like, the first of all, the risk is going to be lower than ever because he's going to be going later than ever, right? He's going to be a wide receiver five on many rosters. Absolutely. The motivation is something that I am not ignoring. Again, I'm not making a major investment. If you want to pass on Michael Thomas, I feel you. All good. Don't blame you one bit. I do think I do feel a little more confident in Michael Thomas, though, for the simple reason that there's so much to play for this year. There's so much on the line for Michael Thomas that if he doesn't ball out this year, Daniel, like he could be journeyman territory next year. And yes. we've seen guys go from top of the mountain to out of the league. I know it was, it was one of the great ill decisions or the, one of the great failures in football recently, but like Kenny Galladay was awesome for your lions, dude. He's not even a roster right now. Three years later, two years later. Like he is just a total failure for he was a total failure for the Giants. That was a free agent. Life can change quickly in the NFL. I wonder if this contract year means good things for Michael Thomas. Again, wide receiver forty six for me, people. So I'm not overreacting at all. Just the fact that he's a hundred percent right now is a good sign, and the fact that he has so much to play for hopefully equates to a chip on his shoulder, proverbially type season where Michael Thomas looks like. I don't know. I would take 75 catches for like 800 yards and eight touchdowns this year. I would love that. We'll take it every day of the week. That. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably not enough to be on. It'd be like fringe 10 team leagues, but like 12, 14, 16 team leagues. He'll be rostered and probably start in deeper leagues too. I was going to say you, you can find some, especially once you start hitting the throws of bye weeks and you need a guy for your flex spot. Michael Thomas could absolutely be somebody that could live in there. 
I want to ask you about the other Saints news that we had field, which I felt like we were being trolled for a minute. We were definitely being pranked. I was like, wait a minute. This isn't this is a joke, right? Jimmy Graham yeah. has signed a one-year deal yeah. with the Saints. Jimmy Graham? As our friend, friend of the podcast, Mina Kimes tweeted, like, I read that, I think she said, I read it five times just to make sure I said one year and not one day, right? Like, hey, he's signing a one-day contract to retire with the Saints. No, 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 no. No. Jimmy Graham, former, not just Saint, but Seahawk and Bear. Anywhere else that he played? Um, Seahawk sure. and Bear, Jimmy Graham, is back with the Saints on a one-year deal, Daniel. Uh Juwan Johnson get nerdy. was yeah. tight end three last year in touchdowns. Do I actually need to worry no, about this? No, you don't need to worry about this. Okay. I think Jimmy okay. Graham probably makes the roster because he's Jimmy Graham and he's a legend, but the Saints have this tendency right before training camp to sign a bunch of veterans for very, very, very cheap contracts. Uh, this is a non-fantasy story in this, other than the fact that it's cool that he's back. Yeah. Love Jimmy Graham during his apex. I miss the days where we had more than one tight end. That was awesome. Remember, it was like him and Gronk legitimately in the conversation for which one's the best tight end in fantasy. It was like an actual back and forth there for a little bit. Uh, so Jimmy Graham, welcome back to not just New Orleans, but to the league. Yeah, that's exciting. Do you think that do you think that he is going to be on this Saints roster by the time we actually hit the regular I'm going season? yes. I think he makes the team with a minimal role. So I'm thinking that it's going to go Juwan Johnson and then Taysom Hill and then Jimmy Graham, you think, in that order? Uh, yes. I would have, to be honest with you, I would have just kept Adam Troutman if I were Rather the Saints and not trade for, or not sign Jimmy Graham, but that's a different conversation for a different time. We got to go because uh, we have a show to get ready for on Monday. Yeah, we do. We're back five days a week. Uh. This guy... This guy, if you saw our new studio today, it's actually like five feet from our old studio. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, a, it's literally right there. But we kind of like this new aesthetic, so we'll be trying it out a bunch during the season. And uh, Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That's right. YouTube, Twitter, not Twitter, X, you name it. We'll be there. ESPN Fantasy app, hopefully the ESPN app as well. Lots to get to. Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Every day between Monday is in July 31st and like, the end of the regular season. You are yeah. going to be so bored of us by the end of the regular season. And by that, I hopefully mean very, very entertained. Fantasy Focus is back. For Daniel, I'm Field. We can't wait for Monday. We'll see you guys then. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay And you know that it's a fact Every hater's gonna hate Cause he's on TV every day A spicy tomato who's got the stats And tweets that'll make you laugh He's our favorite host And everybody knows his name He's Field Yeah.